Do you enjoy the politics of work or do you think it's better for you and your career just to stay above it all? If you've ever had to get support for an idea or competed for a new role, you've likely seen politics at play at work. But are these politics healthy in organizations? Is the ideal team one without any politicking at all? Keep listening to today's episode of the Career Engineering Podcast to find out as we dive into the always controversial topic of workplace politics. Hi there, we are Haley and Jordan Anderson, and this is the Career Engineering Podcast, where engineers help other engineers have better careers. We're a husband and wife engineering team who are passionate about helping you excel in your workplace. After working in the energy and aerospace industries, we both got our master's degrees in organizational behavior. And in this show, we dive into some of the biggest challenges we each face at work that we didn't learn about in our technical degrees. As engineers, we all love to know how things work, So on this podcast, we'll look under the hood using research and experience to help you better navigate your coworkers, organizations, and careers. Today, I want to talk about a phenomenon that I've seen played out so many times in organizations. One time I was on a project where we spent months preparing a presentation for just a 30-minute session with a leader to make sure our initiative was going to be funded that next year. We spent hours studying the strategy of the organization, the likes and dislikes of this leader to ensure that we communicated our project in alignment with that. At another company, I remember having dozens of meetings and prep for a call with an executive where we'd present a controversial idea. We tried to meet with every, everyone else that was going to be in the room to convince them to see things our way so they wouldn't say anything negative when the day actually came to present to them. Lastly, even something as simple as my small college nonprofit organization, uh, I remember a team member taking me out to lunch and then asking me to tell my entire team to vote against someone that they didn't agree with in the upcoming school election. I didn't do it because it felt fishy, but I was obviously pretty oblivious to today's topic back then, so I'm glad we're taking the time to discuss it further. Yeah, I am definitely definitely understand you there, and so I'm glad you got lunch out of that, but understand you choosing to try and stay out of that uh, mess. Uh, For me, I can definitely relate to being in similar situations where a lot of effort and jockeying goes into influencing outcomes within a company. I feel like I've always been one who tries to kind of stay above and out of the politicking, so to speak. But I, I too, realize that this is definitely an active force around me at work, whether I choose to participate or not. So I'm excited to dig into today's topic of politics at work and just better understand what all is happening. Building on our last episode on power, we felt like it made sense to jump into a related, somewhat controversial part of organizations, which is politics. I know that I've really misunderstood this topic in the past, so we're excited to share what we've learned about politics in organizations with you. Um, At a high level, what are politics? Yeah, politics are the optional or extracurricular, you could think of them, activities that can influence an individual's advantages or disadvantages at work, often based on your knowledge of others and social status. These political tasks can take on different forms, but are largely tied to the idea of power and status that we discussed in the last episode. As a brief review, power is the ability to get others to do what you want them to do. And influence is essentially power in action, so we use power to influence others in certain situations. Aligning this with our topic today, politics are the activities that people engage in to increase their power or exercise that influence. So individuals all have their own interests and goals, and organizations inherently provide platforms 
for aspirational and motivated individuals to try and influence others to see things their way or to pursue their unique goals. This is complicated by the fact that moving up in organizations gives leaders access to more bases of power, like the power to fire people and reward people. So regardless of how neutral anyone may feel they are, as they gain access to more power, they'll inevitably push their own views of the world and their own goals on others. So this causes others to try and get a leader to see things their way so that the leader will exercise their power in that individual's favor. Yeah, so in my earlier example with the budget and trying to get funding, my team was trying to convince the company's leadership to see things our way so that those executives in turn would give us more funding. And the fellow student who was uh, taking you out to lunch was trying to get you to use your positional power over your team to make them vote or think a certain way. Yeah, not just taking me out for lunch. That's a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. um, Very true. And this is the whole crux of lobbying, too. You know, companies or organizations pay lots of money to try and influence lawmakers who have significant bases of power to see things their way. While these might seem like extremes, you know, very big events, similar political actions happen every day in companies. To gain more power, we typically see individuals use politics to exert influence on those in higher levels or equal positions to them because they have bases of power they would like to control. You know, so if someone has access to resources like money, people, time, or knowledge, we want to be able to influence that. Individuals can also try to exert influence on those who are internal or external to our organizations. This can be particularly relevant for individuals who work in areas with lots of government regulations, but also just when competing with another division at work for the same budget or the same assistance. Yeah, and political behavior can also increase when individuals feel as if they're losing power. Uh, this is really common in like mergers and acquisitions. Um, it can be really subtle, but losses of power affect individuals' feelings that their psychological contract with the organization has been breached. Yeah, additionally, when there's a sudden absence of formal authority, you may find that lots of political activity starts up or that these persuasion and influence techniques suddenly become more important and more prevalent because there's no longer position-based power. So when there's a reorg at work or a new team is formed with no named leader, people are very likely to begin politicking either overtly or covertly, uh, but they're going to politic for power to advance their idea of the world. This is really important today in the way we work today because one common trend is for organizations to create much flatter structures with less hierarchy, and there's certainly plenty of discussion that can go into that, but if not tempered by a culture filled with humility and collaboration and and focused on team-based goals, we could see an increase in self-focused political behavior since individuals can vie to advance their own interests in this power vacuum, so to speak. Yeah, so now that we understand the basics of politics at work and some of the situations that can make it more prevalent, I think it's important to return to the fact that while some people may believe that politics are always destructive to organizations or that good, healthy companies don't have any politics, that's actually not true. Every organization naturally has people with different perspectives, and as long as there are different perspectives, there are going to be a push between ideas on the best path forward. This can be healthy and productive if the leader's vision is good for the company. Think about Steve Jobs. If he hadn't effectively leveraged his influence to get those at Apple and, let's be honest, all of society to some extent, to think different, we may never have had the iPhone and Apple likely would not be where they are today. Yeah, that's a really great example. You know, and, and political behaviors 
can be good in trying to direct organizational goals and activities. It can get people to do things they otherwise wouldn't do, and so it's a major tool that an organization needs in order to promote change and really to get people moving in the same strategic direction forward. Or think about needing to unite a company after a merger, like you mentioned earlier, or coming out of bankruptcy. In these instances, a company really needs a compelling, uniting vision, and that often comes from a strong leader or unit which defines what they think the future should be for the organization and influences others to play along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's easy to get annoyed by politics for sure day to day and to believe that you can either just stay out of it or that it's actually best that you never get involved in politics at work. But just like the Greek orator Pericles said, just because you do not take an interest in politics does not mean that politics won't take an interest in you. Yeah, I think anyone who went to public high school can relate. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very hard to stay out of the drama, so to speak. So at least that's how I remember high school. Yeah, yeah, you mean grilled them back then, I'm sure. You know, I did what I had to do, so. Uh, we may like to assume that although performance and career success are determined primarily by knowledge, skills, and abilities, there are other factors like emotional intelligence, social awareness, and general organizational savvy that also play important roles. I'm sure we've all known incredibly smart individuals whose ideas have gone overlooked simply because they're not good at promoting themselves or knowing how to effectively influence others in the company and so that they'll see things the way that they want them to. Yeah, I imagine lots of engineers today in the audience or technical individuals have problems with this, and so it's a big gap meeting, being able to know that, have that social knowledge and advance your idea of the world, for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely. So how can we use what we've learned about politics to improve our political skill and, and therefore improve our experiences at work? Yeah, first and foremost, I think it's important to re-emphasize that politics are healthy, normal, and when used in the right way, productive. If we want to ensure that we can effectively use politics to our advantage or ensure that we aren't victims of the manipulative politics of others, we should understand that the political skills can be learned and improved by anybody. Gerald Ferris, a leading thinker in organizational politics, has actually identified four dimensions of what he calls political skill. He first recommends social astuteness, which is how you understand the motivations and agendas of others and your aptitude at being able to effectively read situations and respond to them effectively. So this includes like how well do you read the situation you're in or do you adapt your personality to fit those situations? Additionally, how well do you know how you're being perceived by others? Can you understand how people are perceiving you? You can increase your social astuteness and self-monitoring by being more present in your social situations at work, observing others' body language and trying to read the tone of the room. And then you can try to adapt your style to fit these situations. You know, try mirroring the behaviors of your colleagues to get a feel of of what this is like and then adapt it to your own style. Yeah. Second, Ferris says we can increase our political skill by developing greater interpersonal influence or making others feel at ease, being likable, and in your ability to kind of build rapport all goes into this interpersonal influence idea. It can also be referred to as social intelligence, and it reflects how well you build relationships within the business. And this is really best developed by practice. And I know it's an introvert's nightmare. Um, trust me, I'm an introvert. But um, if you're like me, um, you know, you, you do need to try to put yourself in positions where you can practice interacting with others. Try asking them questions and share information about yourself to find that mutual connection that will help people like being around you and want to be associated with you, which will really help want to exer- be able to exercise that interpersonal influence in the future. 
His third point was that an individual can have better political skills by improving their network abilities. This is your perceived ability to engage with, build, and effectively use informal and formal work networks to advance your goals. So this ability will allow you to make connections across the company or across a profession that can then be leveraged when you need to influence others. The more people you know and the deeper connections you have, the more likely you'll be able to influence them or others around you. So social confidence you know, developed through practice can help you develop these strong networks. Similarly, your organizational knowledge, your expertise, these things can really help you develop connections as you become a resource for others and understand how to get things done within the company. Lastly, Ferris has found that apparent sincerity, or how genuine and sincere others perceive you to be, is critical to a political skill. This links to emotional intelligence or your ability to really know your own emotions and others' emotional states. So this means you should strive to be genuine, let others see the real you, and try not to put on facades. This trust is important in trying to get people to listen and follow your vision. Yeah, and we can also reiterate some of the things we talked about last episode when we talked about some of the specific tactics you can use to exert influence in organizations. The four main most effective tactics are rational persuasion, consultation, inspirational appeals, as well as collaboration. These could be effective ways to get people to see things your way and, and further your opinions. And at the other end of the extreme, coalitions and pressure are the least effective, so be careful using these if you really need to try and convince people to follow your path. So ultimately, there's skills, and then there's these uh, also tactics that we can use to improve our political behavior at work. Mm -hmm. So to conclude today's episode, politics are a natural part of all organizations, and at some point you will need to inevitably learn how to leverage political tactics at work and be aware of organizational politics to avoid being found on the wrong side of them. Political skills at work can be improved by building your social astuteness, interpersonal influence, networking abilities, and apparent sincerity. These each are developed through practice and being more aware of your work environment, and then adapting your personal reactions and styles to connect more with others at work. When we work on developing these skills, we'll be in a better position to influence others to pursue our ideas or follow our direction when we need it most. Even if you hate hearing about the latest drama at work, knowing how your organization operates and knowing how to influence others can be the difference between having your ideas heard or rarely being recognized for your vision. So while it may not seem appealing, consider how you can improve your political skill to collaborate with others, develop a compelling vision, and just make your organization better. You may not care about politics, but at some point in your career, politics will take an interest in you, and so it's best to be prepared when it does. What challenges are you facing at work or in your career? Do you like what you're hearing here or have anything to add to the discussion? Be sure to hit subscribe on our podcast to keep the conversation going, and let us know your thoughts by reaching out to us. Links to our social media channels as well as our email are included in the show notes.